Go on, Jonathan. It's a San Pellegrino. Oh, is it? Arantiata. That's the one. <clears throat> I quite like the uh, the blood orange one. Yeah, that's what I've got. Oh, Rossa. Yeah. But um, the one you can't get in the UK, I've only seen it in, in London, that there London, um, is Kino, uh, which is ah, Kinota. Carluccio's do it. Do they? Yeah, and it's even I more bitter. Bloody love it. It's gorgeous stuff. Steph yeah. quite, like, quite likes the uh, grip. Is it not grapefruit? Pomegranate one, which oh, yeah. is super sweet. Mm. Isn't for me, but yeah, the Kino one. Delicious. Hello, Jonathan. Hello, Robert. This is unusual. Yes, midday. Midday. Half past twelve on a Friday. Should be down the pub. I've had to close the close the door to the garden and close the skylight to uh, to to close off the sounds of Hampton Hill in in the daytime. We live two doors down from a woodworker's, so there's the kind of a buzz saw and a sander going. So excuse any sounds that leak in, mm-hmm. or any that leak out. Oh dear. <coughs> what, are you, what are you cooling yourself down with? I have got a glass of uh, apple and raspberry juice. <laughs> <laughs> Very that, different to an evening show, isn't it? Yes. So is that what you have um, when you're when you're working? Do you do you do you get caught up and find yourself? Uh, you know, you're starting to get dark and you haven't eaten anything and that you haven't drunk anything. I'm, I'm quite good because I like to get away from my desk. Maybe that just shows how busy I am. But I always manage to get away from my desk. But that's that's a habit I've got into kind of since I started working. I, I'm not one of these people that just sits at their desk or, you know, brings in a Marks and Spencer's sandwich or pot of pasta and sits at their desks and eat. I think it's important to get away from your desk. So I, uh, I stick to that even when I'm at home. Uh-huh. But I'm more of a tea drinker during the day, really. It's just it's quite a warm one today. It is. It's beautiful. Uh, Shall we introduce the show? This is... uh, Welcome to the podcast. This is North v South, and it's episode 94. I'm going to get muddled up here because I've literally just edited 93, (laughs) uh, which has taken me two weeks to do. That's not... That's a first, actually, I think. It's the longest it's ever taken me. Well, you were aware... That's right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm John and that's Rob. Uh, if you haven't listened to us already, then where the hell have you been? Absolutely. I mean, we've been available on the webs, on the, on the, on the world wide web. They've been under a rock, John. <laughs> uh, anyway, how was Venice? I don't say under a rock. That's, um, that's most unfortunate. <laughs> if you were, you know, visiting volcanic islands anyway. Oh, yeah, good point. Uh, how was Venice? I, I, went, I went there, actually. Uh, to Stromboli? Well, I saw it. I was on another island, Salina, which isn't so okay. far away. Um, Salina, land of the caper, of course. Oh, right. When you're famous for a tiny little, slightly sour vegetable, you need to you need to try harder, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> land of the caper. Do you know, there's the, is it called Frankamanka, the chain of yes. sourdough, trendy yes. pizzas? They've got their only... Um, their only foreign uh, branch is on the island of Salina. Wow, because is that where they started? The, or? The, no, the owner fell in love with the capers that you get from there. Wow. <laughs> That's putting your money where your mouth is, isn't it? Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, Great nice kick. place to go. Good yeah. adventure. Yeah, yeah really recommend it. Watch out it. for volcanoes. That's right. Um, <clears throat> right. 
Uh, what is on your desk? Well, uh, I've had a week off. Uh, my parents came down to visit, so walking in the park and pottering about doing nothing, which was delightful. Finished a couple of commissions. Uh, both the same chap for his kids, his sons over in Australia. So one was a beholder. Uh, if you're Dungeons and Dragons what connoisseur, you'll remember a beholder. It's kind of like a floating no. orb with oh. lots of tentacles with eyes on the end. Uh, and a robot with a hoverbike. Uh, for robot and hoverbike fans. Uh, so that was quite good fun. Doing lots of stuff for Patreon. Um, I just launched a new tier this morning and it's sold out already. So that's very exciting. Uh, so I'm going to be working with my supporters to develop a bit of story centered around a ship of their, of their making. Um, what else? I received the latest Etherington. Are you aware of the Etherington brothers, Jonathan? <clears throat> well, I saw this in your notes. Did they make, did they make a game? I don't know if they made a game. They've done like yeah. comic stuff. There's right. the whole thing of them called Stransky stuff, which I think is kind of comic based stuff, but they've done two Kickstarters. No, I know not what they are. They do lots and lots of, I don't know what you call it, kind of almost like public outreach stuff. So they make huge amounts of drawing tips and tricks and how to tutorials available for free. Thousands. Okay. Um, all on their kind of Tumblr or Instagram. They do lots of public events, kind of getting kids into drawing. Um, but on Kickstarter, they collect those tips and tutorials into books called How to Think When You Draw. And they're fantastic. They're full of kind of really good ideas, quite cartoony stuff, but full of really good ways to think about how you represent certain things to kind of give things life and character and, and to help you draw as well. So I've got their, I got their first one of those collections a year or two ago. And uh, I received volume two this week and it's marvelous. Really, really good. So if you've got kids who are into drawings and comics that, you know, they'd be absolutely perfect to, to give them a, a leg up. Uh, and these chaps, are they real brothers or is it like I, a collective? I don't know. I think they might be real brothers. There's two of them. I think they're brothers. Could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm woefully unprepared, so, aren't I? So if you, uh, so uh, school holidays are, yes. are upon us north of the border and they're about to drop south of the border. Um, so if you're bored and looking for things, you know, kids are already driving you mad on day three or whatever. Yeah. Um, that could be a good book. Yes. You, yeah. Absolutely. So they're like how to draw books and they, they are they based for kids or are they just sort of general? Uh, they're general, but I think, I think kids from, I don't know, kind of seven or eight upwards, depending on how keen they are on drawing really can, would, uh, would get stuff out of them. You know, they've got like a section on pirate ships. And uh, or helicopter design and stuff. Brilliant. You know, siege weapons. They're just fantastic. Uh, just looking in the front as well, Etherington Brothers might just be a name because this is by Lorenzo Etherington. So maybe it's just just the one of them. Well, it says here Robin and Lorenzo. Okay, so the books are by Lorenzo, so maybe Robin is, you know, deals in another bit of it. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, what else have I done? I've updated my iPhone to the iOS 13 public beta. 
<laughs> you madman. <laughs> why are you doing that? Well, why not? Live on the edge, John. It never works. Actually, uh, within a day of doing it, I thought, I really need to take this off because it was crashing all the time. <laughs> but it seems to have settled down. Right. Um, yeah. Um, you know, there's some nice improvements to things like reminders, photo editing has got a nice little boost to some nice new editing tools, all very sort of intuitive. I, mean, I think if you use, you know, Lightroom or anything on your phone, then it's not going to make you swap, but it's a definite improvement over the, the existing inbuilt editing software. And it's got dark mode as well. If you, if you're a fan of dark mode, which is quite nice. Certainly things like remind uh, the calendar just looks, just looks great in dark. mode. Um, yeah, I thought maybe you'd have uh, you'd have gone. Don't you dare! I've seen what your website of the week is. <laughs> um, I thought you might have downloaded the the iPad public oh, beta right. for the iPad OS. Right. I don't, don't you didn't you, you used to have to have a developer? Um... No, they, you just have to register now. Oh right, okay. No, I'm not. Um, I, I I will like to see it, um, but I'm rather I'm rather busy and uh, don't have the time for that kind of shenanigans right um but i think um yeah i think you're mad doing that i do it on an old an old phone who has two phones <laughs> drug dealers uh or estate agents uh what have you been up to this week jonathan <laughs> and other members of the seventh level of hell yes. um what have i been up to this week well, well or last week john oh yeah i went away um took the wife on a package tour to bognor regis <laughs> No, I took her to Venice um, and we had a grand old time. We, you know, we let the gloves off. The budgets were relinquished mm-hmm. because it is a city of eye-watering and staggering cost. It is. Um, but we had a lovely, lovely time. We stayed in a tiny little, almost a hotel, a boutique hotel, would you call it these days? Yeah, I'd call it a and b but it's like yeah. a... It's not already. Yeah, it was a really beautiful place that um, Robert had recommended and stayed in. And uh, we got the um, the water taxi from the airport, which is incredibly uh, um, indulgent. Yeah. Uh, but I would say do it. You know, if you're only going to ever go there once, then that's a way to see Venice for the first time. Grand, isn't it? When it comes into uh, into view, it is it is something else. It really is, and you are literally like two film stars in the back of these beautiful old launches, aren't they? Uh, Most of them, absolutely gorgeous. <clears throat> but it did cost us 120 euros. Yes. <laughs> see, like when I last went to Venice, I think it was probably about the same price, but that equated to about 60 quid back then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's all right. But now it's not, yeah, it, now it's like everything there was so expensive. Mm. I mean, more expensive than Scandinavia. Yeah. Um, going to London, it is way, way above that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we had a, had a wonderful time and got the uh, water taxi all the way to our hotel, which was incredibly extravagant. It's great. It's just, um, it's just the best way to, to enter Venice for the first time. Yeah. And we just did all the tourist stuff because I'd never been there. Jessica had been there twice um but she'd been like because she was at university in italy so she um <clears throat> you know she just went on weekend jaunts mm. and never had any money and ate mcdonald's and all that kind of stuff so it was really nice to do it in a little bit of style Good. and the hotel booked us you know really nice restaurants in the evenings yeah it's um, great when you can get those recommendations for places just off the beaten track that aren't packed full of tourists 
Yeah, and it's it is busy at the moment. So mm. it's June, and it was hot. It was thirty degrees. Um, I think they had they went up to thirty to nearly forty degrees last week. Blimey. So I'm glad we hadn't we didn't have that. But yeah, we had a we had a wonderful time. Um, saw lots of uh, old art and realised how much I love modern art because I went really? to the Peggy Guggenheim. No, I see, uh, I haven't done that. Oh, it was it was fantastic. Yeah. It's her old villa on the um, mm. Grand Canal, and it's just packed with the most unbelievable <laughs> uh, collection of art. It's only small. What but kind of era are we talking? Sort of mid-century well, collect- stuff? Or? No, early, early 19th century through to the, I'd say, late 60s. Okay. Um, but mainly, I would say, pre-war. So it's got everything in there. Mondrian, Picasso, um, you know, all of, uh, well, just all the major artists of that so period. So kind of modern art. But painting, not um, not. Got, uh, there's garden. There's no installations. Garden. There's no video. Nonsense. There was one was video, there? but that was of I can't remember what that was of. It was one in video installation, but mm. uh, no, mainly mainly sculpture and um, and three D art. They had some calder there, which I love. love the yeah. sort of the hanging, beautiful. Um, uh, what would you call them? Mobiles, almost. Mm. Uh, no, it's just. It was exquisite, and I love it more, much more than uh, dusty old, um, dusty old art. Myself, uh, we went to the uh, quite a lot of the art wasn't on display, so we went to see the Titian in that um, in the church that you recommended. Oh, in the friary, yeah, and it was just a large like PVC printing of oh. it because they were recovering it. <laughs> With loads of people standing in front of it, I don't think they quite realised that it wasn't the original. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, yeah, no, I had, I had a great time. So yeah, re- very much thoroughly recommended. Good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did, I got discovered a new artist that I hadn't heard of before. I don't know if you've heard of no. it. It's called Giorgio Morandi. And he didn't, pe- did he, he didn't- not do together in electric dreams? With, uh- <laughs> yes. With Phil Oakey. Yeah. Um, no, he's kind of a, uh, he, he painted still lifes and he painted the same things over and over again. They're kind of just still lifes of pots. But I, I can't find a photo that captures how exquisite the tone and the the texture was on the paintings. They're only small, maybe um, A3 size. Mm. And he was an academic, so he didn't, and he taught, so he didn't produce a huge body of work. And he wasn't that interested in his lifetime of either selling his art or displaying it. Um, so there's not a huge amount around. But he's someone I, I didn't know anything about. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, absolutely love it. It's kind of... It's almost 3D kind of geometric yeah. paintings. Um, yeah, it's... It's, uh, it's always it, nice it was, to discover a, an yeah, artist you've not seen it is. before. And I came back feeling really refreshed and kind of... I'd just been sitting at my computer for about six months, you know, just mm. tapping away and uh, had become so, um, I don't know, sort of cotton wool, uh, you know protected from the outside world yeah. that I hadn't really taken anything in. And it's so nice to get some culture. It does. It just shows the, the, the benefits of getting out and about and seeing stuff, doesn't it? It really does. So I, when I got back, I ordered, um, someone was banging on about uh, counter press do book collections, mm. um, counter printing, sorry, not counter. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and um, so they do like collections of books. And I just went and bought their main collection. It was about a hundred quid. Sounds like a lot of money, but I think you, it, it, I got, I've got, I don't know, 15, 10, 15 books um, of 
just loads of different collected designs from around the world, logo designs and book designs and all sorts of things. Cool. So I'm kind of like scoffing, scoffing that lot greedily. Yeah, that's like a really good collection, that doesn't it? Yeah, I think I think it's worth about 160 quid. Yeah. I think that's what they say. They 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 are quite open with it. But uh, well, fantastic uh, website and also um, little business where it was a designer. Just I, I was reading a story that he was collecting um, sort of secondhand design books yeah. and then he started selling them. Um, and it wasn't until they started selling that he decided, oh, I might collect some of these old things into my own books. And now they're producing. We love publishing uh, company. Been up to anything else? No, I haven't. That's kind of that was that was kind of my kind of week and a half, two weeks. She's been really nice. You know, spending some time with with my parents was nice because normally they only get to come down when it's out of wedding season. Um, so they get to see kind of the park in you know late winter um, when it's not at its best. So wandering around with them in the in the sunshine. When everything's kind of bright green and vivid, was was lovely. I think they really enjoyed themselves. And you went down to my uh, my home ground. Uh, did I? Windsor. Oh yes, Windsor was great. It looked magnificent. It was a you know not a cloud in the sky, bright sunshine, just looked fab. And my parents <laughs> loved it. And there is that thing if you've never been to Windsor Castle. You go in St. George's Chapel and there's a tomb. You see the tomb of George the Fifth and Edward the Fourth and and then there's a, a tomb laid in the the floor of the nave of the chapel. And it's got Henry the Eighth. Uh and um I can't remember who who's the other one in there now? George the Third. I don't know. It's just just ridiculous. You just think how the, the amount of history just in that one slab of marble is just breathtaking. So um, yeah, it was it was great. Yeah, we yeah, nice I think we went down the crypt once. Really? Yeah, because I was at school in the chapel there. Hmm. Well, part of it was attached to the chapel, but the um, yeah, I think we I think we did. I can't remember rightly, but yeah, because we, we were we were involved in the Order of the Garter kind of ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was all open then. It was good fun wandering around the back of the castle. Um, the other thing, what have I been doing? I've been doing some 3d printing. I haven't done any for, well, like a good eight months. Like I say, I've just been like, um, I, I, I compare myself when I'm in those kind of periods of my life, you know, um, the king of the, uh, the riders of Rowan. In the films, yes, Bernard, whatever his name is, yeah, Bernard Hill, I Bernard think he Hill, is. yeah, and he's kind of like caked in flour or whatever, yeah, and he's and he cobwebbed he, and he's in fuzzy there of mind, yeah, and then suddenly, you know, when he transforms back and he gets rid of worm tongue, he's got it all starts cracking and he comes out again. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> that, what is that? You coming surfacing after a period of intense work? Yeah, okay, or just you know, or like introspection or okay. general grumpiness, yeah. Um, uh, but the, um, so anyway, I got the three, somebody gave me a hand-me-down bike for, uh, basically it's like called a tag along and you, uh, you attach it to the back of your bike. Okay. So you but like a big pearl type thing. Yeah. It's terrifying. Um, anyway, the, it came and, but the, uh, the connector didn't have the right width for the bike seat that I was trying mm-hmm. to put on. I was like, right. He said, just wrap a bit of tie around it. So I tried that and 
poor old kitty on the back was flopping around all over the place. And it was like, this is lethal, especially around where we are in yeah, yeah. the road, you know, with cars zipping past at 70 miles an hour. So I thought, right, no, I've got to make something. So I went, I went to the manufacturer and it was like 40 quid for the right. sleeve. Like, no way am I doing that. I'm going to print this thing. Anyway, four days later <laughs> and about 10 prototypes, I, uh, I got it, I got it working, but, um, the the story that I wanted to say was about measuring things, and this is kind of uh, this is about history now. So basically, I so I measured the diameter uh, of these um, of the of the uh, seat post, mm-hmm. uh, and I got a pair of cat a digital calipers for measuring. And unbeknownst to me, the battery was low on the calipers, so it was giving me the wrong readings. But I believed. The size of it. Well, you would. So when it was printing and then I printed it off and it was uh, like 50% too big, I thought that there was something wrong with the printer yeah. because I believed in what the origin was of the thing. So yeah. I spent nearly a whole day trying to work out why this thing was printing 50% bigger because when I, I then you, you have these uh, 3D cubes that are uh, 20 mil. And you can, they're like a calibration device. So you print them off and you measure them. And then you can see that if your yeah. uh, filament okay. isn't extruding properly, you can make, you can make adjustments in but the your printing cubes software. Right. Well, no, they were, they were 30, they were coming out of 30 mil. I was like, this is, this can't be right. They're meant to be 20 mil. How's it, how's it, you know, 50% bigger. But I, I should have just seen, you know, visually that's 20 mil that this isn't measuring properly, but because I, believed in the digital you know kind of (laughs) the reading that i was reading i was convinced and i convinced myself that my printer had gone mad and was printing at 50 everything at 50 percent bigger and it wasn't until it ever occur to you that you'd shrunk by 60 (laughs) by 66 percent i really thought i was going absolutely bonkers (laughs) but what what it and obviously then I started thinking well, there's got to be something wrong with this digital measurer and then I kept measuring things and it kept giving me different <laughs> readings, um so I changed the batteries and it just said you know this is twenty mil, so I had been I'd spent <laughs> over a day <laughs> in my head working out that it just it just confused me but what it took me back to was if you start believing origin stories without doubting mm. whether that origin is true then you end up in a very, very strange place. Yeah, it just sets you and off down the wrong path, doesn't it? The uh, the um, head of state for United States of America uh, made some interesting historical claims yesterday. He did, didn't he? He said that, um, you know, that there are uh, there were aeroplanes in the um, American Civil War. <laughs> Not Civil War, what am I War of about? Independence. War of Independence. And um, he also took a, a, a period from 1812 and mashed it, Back to oh, twenty years previously, yeah, um, uh, yeah. So um, it, you have to be very careful about the origin of things, and make sure that when you measure, <laughs> when you take for uh, granted uh, a, a fact that's told you, and you believe everything off of that, it's not always going to end up to be true. No, was that a, was that a meandering story about nothing? Beautifully meandering. I enjoyed it immensely. <laughs> I'm just picturing your face as you tear your hair out. Why is this 30 millimetres? Fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, I printed it. I put the little picture on there for you to see what it is. Yeah. Nice. And it all works good. 
Yeah, yeah. I haven't taken her out on it yet. She's at a farm today, farm visit. Um, so then what else have I been? I, I'm still on what I've been doing and I've been going 25 minutes. That's fine. But I wanted to talk about also, um, I started working on my book. Right. On a book. Yeah. I had a conversation with the wife. There was no alcohol imbibed and she agreed to it sober. Mm-hmm. But um, she basically wants me to stop mithering and moaning and grunting and groaning about life in general and said right okay set yourself a set yourself a deadline christmas and write your first draft of your uh of your book so i started and i'm getting up at about six thirty every morning and just spending an hour doing jotting things down good stuff yeah so uh yeah watch this space and is this a, a, a children's book yes yeah. it is yeah Great. I can't yeah. wait to hear more. <laughs> if you need a, a, you know, a pair of eyes. Yeah. I still don't know what style I'm going to draw it in. Um, yeah. But I'm going to draw and typeset it and produce a uh, a mock-up of the book and then send it to publishers. Great idea. Um, so that it's a finished, finished deal. Cool. Uh, Very yeah. exciting news. Yeah. Uh, so... News? Yes. Let me look. Actually, something that isn't on my list that uh, kind of broke this morning. Uh, Akira. The seminal, as it's always described, uh, manga, anime. Um, Katsuhiro Otomo, the creator of it, is working on a new film called Orbital Era, which is very exciting. But also they're re-releasing, I think on Blu-ray or whatever, the 4K restoration of Akira, the original film. They're also working on a new anime series of Akira. Um, yeah, just big, big Akira news today. You're a fan of Akira, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I've seen it once. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a fan. I like the art. I see. Um, no, I... I don't know. I'm not sure I really got the story. No? No. I think it needs watching several times. Do I need to watch it again? You do. Okay. It is great. So anyway, if you're a fan of Akira, very exciting morning. So that was, I just started to throw that in because I saw that on Twitter this morning. Uh, Something else from Twitter. Uh, Heather Antos, who is a uh, comics editor, I think. She tweeted... Uh, and I thought it was uh, worth repeating. That's the kind of thing that I'd be tempted to print out and stick on my computer. Pro tip, don't take criticism from someone you would never go to for advice. I don't know if she's the first person to say that, but I just thought that was such a succinct uh, and clear way, particularly uh, to kind of navigate social media if you're a creator that it was worth repeating. The problem with social media is, you know, you post something online that you've created and you'll always get people, you know, jumping in with, oh, it's good, but, or maybe you should have done this. So, um, yes. Anyway. What do you think the compulsion is to post something on social media and then not expect that to happen? Just to turn it on its head a bit. Uh, because people are idiots and pe- <laughs> people don't think. And 
are stupid. <laughs> this is this is all true. Only a small percentage of them, of course. Uh, our <coughs> listeners are excluded from this. Yeah. But um, it is, yeah, it's a it's a it's a dangerous thing, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. What gives people the impulsion also the compulsion also to give their thoughts or their advice on something when it's not even asked for? I think the difference is the the fact that people will respond in a way on social media that you would never do in real life. You know, if someone showed you a picture in real life, I showed you a drawing in real life, you know, in my sketchbook, never in a million years would you say, that's crap. Why didn't you do it like this? (laughs) But you do that on social media and it's quite uh, possible that you'll get that kind of response. Well, you're never quite sure how old the person is or what. That's true. You know what they are. So that's true. Know, they, they could be a. You quite often. I, get, I often get school kids commenting on things. Yeah. On uh, social. Do you media. tell them to go and do one? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so the next generation. Uh, no, I don't. Oh. Oh. Now, you see, that's that's why I'm I'm now removed from social media. <laughs> Um, although I, I deleted all my account, I've deleted my Instagram account, mm. which uh, I um, followed a link and it ended me up back on Instagram through the web stuff. Oh god, yeah. And uh, it said that I'd been um, I'd been banned for uh, for bad content or something. <laughs> Did you accidentally report yourself for bad content, John? Is this no, how? I don't know, but I think that's what they that's how well, that's what they think of people who delete their accounts. <laughs> No, I um, think this says much more about your inability to get to groups with social media that while trying to delete your account, you accidentally reported yourself for, for bad content. Yeah. In which case, uh, you deserve to be banned. I, I, am, I am guilty of bad content. No, um, well, no I'm going to miss the pictures of Ralph and Kitty and stuff. Yeah, but, I, you know, I... You'll have to send me updates. People can see photographs. Yeah, exactly. People can see photographs. But the... Um, the other thing is I deleted Twitter from, from my, uh, my normal account. Mm-hmm. Um, unbeknownst to me is that I had a, I've got a developer account with Twitter, which oh. all my client, um, websites, uh, get the authentication for displaying tweets on their oh. websites, uh, wiped them all out. That was an interesting day. Oh, ouch. <laughs> it didn't wipe their things yeah, out. It's yeah, just yeah. that the feed stopped updating. So I had to restore. Luckily, I was still in the window of, I don't know what it is, two or three weeks mm. of Twitter of restoring my account. God, so I've now got to. I've now got to move them all over, yeah. regenerate all of the uh, all the special keys and stuff, just to get rid of it. Um, did you not consider just leaving your accounts, but deleting the apps off your phone, or did you just want to? No, I don't want to be there. Sever the umbilical completely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, 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 I've done it for everything. I'm I'm slowly working my way through a long list of things that I can remember what I'm attached to. I, I can't do it so much with my business because. So I'm going to be creating, <laughs> have another account yeah. that will be my business. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, okay. uh, I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm, I'm I, don't, kind of, I don't need to share anything with I've people. I've now got this know. vision of us uh, recording episode 194 from a, a cave in the wilderness. <laughs> no, I just think that it, there's this there's this reliance on on this as a new as a new form of communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, life goes on quite. Happily, uh, most of my friends aren't on social media. Um, in fact, I'd say ninety percent of them don't have a an Instagram or Twitter account, um, I, or even Facebook. 
Um, so you can't find them anywhere. So yeah. um, no, I, I'm 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 quite happy. Yeah. Um, I I see its benefits, but we are going to do a special on this, aren't we? We are a kind of a, a, a true North v South look at social media. Yes. So yes, so that don't take tr- criticism from someone you would never go to for advice yeah. is very sage. Um, just don't read any replies to anything. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> Uh, there is a an exhibition I'd quite like to go to. It is at the Dulwich Picture Gallery, which I've never been to. Have I haven't either. Dulwich no. is down kind of Greenwich way, isn't it? I imagine South so. South East London. Yes, yes. Um, it's called uh, Cutting Edge, and it's modernist pr- British printmaking. Ooh. And it looks fascinating. It's lino cuts, and it looks brilliant. Oh, that's some beautiful stuff, isn't it? Yeah. It's not uh, an era or an area I know much about at all. Yeah, it's kind of 1930s, is it? Mm. Yeah, it's all about cutting. So people who hand cut things. Really nice. I like a bit of lino blockage. There's some gorgeous, gorgeous images there. I'd, I'd like to go and see them up close. Well, maybe. <clears throat> we often talk about um, exhibitions and we hardly ever get to them. Maybe we should make an effort. Uh, my next bit of news is uh, just as cultural. Lego. <laughs> we talked. I don't know if we talked on the on we the did show last week. It? I just edited it. Yeah, it's oh, funny, isn't it? Did we? Yeah, we mentioned that there, there <clears throat> needed to be Lego space. Yes, and they've just announced a whole swathe of new um, space Lego sets. Because we were talking about the fact that they're all just movie tie-ins, whether it's Marvel or I don't know Batman or you know the the, the Lego films. And mm-hmm. they've just released seven new sets, which kind of weirdly come under the Lego City banner. Um, but they're really nice. Um, you know, they're not, uh, they're not quite the throwback to the 1980s Lego space sets I was hoping for. But, no. um, I quite like, I really like, I don't think you were as keen. I really like the little space station, the lunar space station. I do. I've looked at it and I really like it because yeah. I, I think compared to some of the other sets that you've sent me, because I hadn't seen any of the other sets. Mm. Uh, I don't like a lot of them, um, but uh, I really like that space station. I think that lo- that looks really good, and also the uh, the bronze coloured rocket yeah. looks fabulous. There is a, there's another one. Oh, the, the rocket launcher looks mm. good. They they seem a little bit like you know they uh, yeah they seem a little bit uh, non modular. I, I don't know. There's a lot of custom bricks on on all of them, isn't there? Um, and I think that's a, that's a, that's a problem with Lego in yeah. general now. Um, they're not sharing the same kind of bricks. They're all you know, they've all got custom like wheels and yeah, yeah. bits and bobs. I was surprised when I did that uh, the Apollo uh, Saturn V kit. How kind of few unique bricks there were, and how they managed to kind of manipulate you know vaguely standard bricks. Well, I think that's one with the, the with those with is that a creator? Yeah, because that that's made by fans, isn't it? So yeah. I imagine that they they've only got access to um, to standard bricks. Mm. So uh, and they have and then sometimes Lego will adapt it or make a make a custom. Bit. Yeah, I, th- I remember on the uh, camper van it was the custom bits were the um, the curtains. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. But they, yeah, this seems it seems strange that it's sitting under city. Mm. But uh, yeah, some really good, good-looking sets there. If yeah, they need, to, they need to reproduce the uh, the floor <laughs> tile with the cr- craters in it. Yes, yeah, they do. I love that. Oh, takes me back. 
<laughs> uh, what else have you got, John? A typeface. I uh, don't often talk about single typefaces, but this one, I can't remember who who, who mentioned this. It's probably Daniel Benoit Gray. Might have been. Uh, but it's called National Park, and it's a typeface designed to mimic the National Park Service. Now, this is uh, an American thing. Um, so, but it's, uh, you know, the wooden signs that they stand outside all their parks are you, they kind use a route a bit. <clears throat> Jellystone National Park. Right. <laughs> uh and uh it's a, it's a really nice i love single line typefaces uh we used to because i used to do uh, a lot of uh routing yep. in the sign game we used to have a few i think it's called was it engineering something or other the fonts were mm. and uh you know they just they literally just follow a single line so whatever size router bit you put into the machine you would then create the lettering based on it and that, that's what this these ones are uh, it's, it's a really nice it's website. a lovely looking Typeface and yeah, the type the the website just looks lovely. I just I, I don't know. I love those simple sort of you know where you can see that actually a machine has milled mm. the letters. Anyway, that's that's over at nationalparktypeface.com. That's fab. There's plenty to uh, plenty to get your teeth into on that website as well. There's lots of, sort of chats about the origins of it. That's very nice. I've gone very uh, uh, astronomical this week because yeah. obviously coming up to the uh, anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landings. There's kind of lots going around. So I'll, I'll stick a couple of these together. Uh, on the BBC World Service, there is a series called 13 Minutes to the Moon. And I have, I've just started listening to the first one. Um, and it's kind of a documentary about how the first moon landing happened. Going back to kind of the, Kennedy's announcement of putting a man on the moon within the next decade, right up to the, the actual landing. Uh, it just looks fantastic. And I think the BBC are really, really good at doing this kind of thing. Uh, and it's also got a theme tune from Hans Zimmer, which is a nice little added bonus. Uh, and I'll also mention, sticking with the space theme, the Guardian, uh, I think it was yesterday, the Guardian, they've got an article featuring the shortlist of the Astronomy Photographer of the Year prize. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some fantastic images. There's a lot, I've got to say, there's a lot of those images where you've got a long exposure of like a, a desert landscape or, a, you know, an Icelandic landscape, and then you have the sweep of the the Milky Way above. And, you know, they're, they're fantastic images, but it's a bit, it's a bit twee and a bit overdone, and you kind of see it everywhere now. So technically, I'm sure, bloody hard to get them as good as they are. But I kind of prefer to see a bit more imagination in the in the shortlist. But there are some spectacular images, so well worth having a look if you uh, go on theguardian.com. Were those them. moon ones taken with a Huawei? How are we pronouncing Hawaii this week? Is, I heard I heard the on the radio somebody say Hawaii. Uh, One of the politicians. Is it, Hawaii. Is it Huawei? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yes, I, I would imagine it's just cheating by Huawei. Um, yeah, that's a lovely picture. Actually, that picture of the moon, isn't it? It's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, last bit of news. Uh, couldn't go to go and see it because it's only open. I think every every first and every last Thursday or something like that in uh, Venice. This is called um, the 
the color library or, or this, the Orsoni color, color library. And it is a store. It's just a room filled with shelves, but it is absolutely jam packed full of what are called smelty. Do you know? I didn't know what smelty was. Isn't but that small like a, is, a, a small salmon? <laughs> no, a smelty is a, is uh, what glasses to a mosaic artist as oh. a pixel is to a, uh, a graphic artist. Oh. Uh, it's the small squares that they use um, to make mosaics. Wow. Um, so, um, but this is a colour library full of that beautiful colour glass that you get. Um, so does this produce? I think it's got it? a furnace where it, yeah, it makes them and okay. makes them to a sort of, to a standard. Yeah. God. So that people can then base it on that. They can come to the library and it's beautiful, check isn't it? out. It's got three and a half thousand colours, different tones and shades. But the um, I just want to go in that room and have a look because it just looks unbelievable. It does, doesn't it? There's something uh, really magical about seeing colour kind of in, as, a, as a physical thing like that. Yeah, uh, it's like that um, GF Smith shop yeah. with all the colour plans in it. Yeah, it's and the there's also that uh, the French... Uh, pastel manufacturer that we featured on the show a few weeks ago or a few episodes ago that has uh, an amazing Instagram account just with all these kind of rich pigments and colours and stuff. It's just, yeah, magical. Yeah, Venice was full of shops with artist pigments yeah. in and things like that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, yeah, it, it's called Orsoni, O-R-S-O-N-I.com. Go and have a look. Fab. That's my news. Luscious. Quickly on a non-space uh, theme. On Kotka.org, they have an article on the marvellous Mississippi River meander maps, which is easy for me to say. Uh, And they're fab. So the rivers meander, you know, as they flow and kind of silt builds up and they they turn in different directions depending on the geology of the land. Then you see this and you you learn about it in geography lessons, about Oxbow Lakes and meanders. and this is a, an article about the kind of geology and the history of the Mississippi meanderings. And it's a series of maps, and they map out kind of historically and geologically the the passage of time and the passage of the, the river over the land. And they create these incredible, almost abstract maps that look a bit like kind of maps of the human body or the circulatory system. And they're just... Glorious, really, really beautiful things. I guess they're kind of from the nineteen nineteen thirties or something, or nineteen twenties. Yeah, they're sort of, sort of like uh, roiled uh, um, intestines, kind of. Yes, uh, but it just shows you that a river is completely alive. You kind of think yeah. of it as a static thing, but actually, it is completely uh, elastic. Always changing. Yeah. Um, are they from the 1940s, this? Right. So the, the colours are gorgeous. On they them, are. They're kind of like those kind of empire maps, aren't they? That kind of beautiful richness. Um, yeah. So the 1944 is the top map. Um, and it goes down, I guess, kind of hundreds of years, showing where the, the river was. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Uh, so get over to kotka.org and have a gander at that. Uh, now, do you have a website of the week, John? I know you do. <laughs> yeah, mine's really boring. I'll just try and stay awake while you talk about this. <laughs> I really like the design on this as well. It Doesn't reminds agree. me of an old Mac, uh, yes. like an old classic. Um, I've read it. I still don't know what it is. No, it's um, it's a 
learning resource for people who um, need more friends. <laughs> uh, it tell, it, it's a website that uh, helps you relearn CSS. So uh, a lot of people just assume, you know, when you're learning things, and I'm, I'm myself included here, um, you know, you kind of just do things and you do it because that's the way you've always done it, but you've never actually questioned, why does that work like that? Mm. Why is that like this? Well, this is taking layout design uh, and um, coding in CSS and kind of um, going back to the basics to say why it happens and why, why certain things work the way they do. Um, because now we've got a whole load of new tools to design with. It's quite important that we remember all the old tools um, and not forget about them because okay. everyone always jumps onto the bandwagon. So. Yeah. Anyway, so it's a single resource. I think it's one person doing it. I think it's really great that they're putting this back for free into the community that people can learn Um and I think the rest of the design community could learn a lot from the web uh, web design community um, in sharing information. Yeah, we've talked about that before, haven't we? Yeah, uh, but yeah, so go and have a look and remind yourself what a uh, what a uh, the stack is, things cool. like that. And that's every hyphen layout dot dev. Yeah, uh, and we'll stick that in the show notes. That's mm-hmm. uh, fascinating. <clears throat> uh, my website of the week is another space apollo related thing and this is apollo 11 in realtime.org or apollo in realtime.org uh and basically you can listen to the entire apollo 11 mission in real time <laughs> so that's all the kind of broadcasting and the transmissions you can watch mission control film footage all the tv transmissions and onboard film footage photographs uh the entire mission from start to finish and you can listen to it as it happened. So I'm sure there's bits you'd want to skip given that the mission lasts, you know, seven days or something, but uh, it's just incredible. As soon as you kind of hit the T minus one minute button to start it at the beginning, it's so evocative. Um, It almost makes you shiver kind of hearing those kind of slightly scratchy transmissions from mission control. Um, mm-hmm. wonderful so if you're a space fan want to relive the uh, first moon landing then that is the website for you apollo in real time dot org there we fabulous. are fabulous pies, pies. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even rehearse that do you know what this week Rob what I've got a, uh, a pressed ham and chicken pie mm. from the butchers across the road. Sounds good. But do you know what I've put on the plate alongside it? You haven't put a condiment. I've put three condiments. What? I know. Uh, so you've you've obviously got some piccalilli. I have. Uh, I can't think what else you've got. Well, one's one's a French mustard. Okay. The other one you might not you might call it an accompaniment right. rather than a condiment. Is it a pickled onion? It's pickled something. Ooh, a gherkin. Yeah. Oh, nice. Do you like? There's a gherkin. Do you are you aware of the term Wally for a gherkin? Yeah, is that a northern thing? Yeah, I thought it was a northern thing. Yeah, or but you know American. that as well. My right. mum would always uh, refer to. Oh, call it a Wally. Was Wally's? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that was the brand that made them, or something. Maybe I don't know. I haven't looked into it, but yeah, Wally's. Uh, and how's the Shall pie? I- Oh, hang on, I'm going in. Mm. So this is a slice of pie, yeah? It's a slice of pie. 
Um, it was vacuum packed. Um, uh, and I'm not sure that vacuum packing pies is a good idea because it's it takes all the moisture out. It, leave, it leaves the uh, the crust not crispy. Yeah. When you've got um, a hot crust pastry, um, there's not much flavour. It needs loads more pepper. It's not as good as the Waitrose one uh, that I've had before. Yeah. But um, it's okay. I'm going to give it a five. Nice bit of jelly. Oh, that's always good. Hang on, I'm going to do the jelly. Mmm, jelly's good. Going up to six. Six. See, that's the power of jelly, pie makers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have got um, a steak and blue cheese pie from Armstrong's Instant Margaret's. I've had this pie before, but it was the only one I had in the freezer. I think it's one of my favourite pies. Really delicious gravy. Tender meat on that kind of tanginess you get from the Stilton. It's pretty sublime, I have to say. It gets a nine. Whoa, that is a good score. Next time I come over to see you, I'll go by St. Margaret's and I'll bring you a little stack of pies. Uh, so that's it. One, one pretty good pie and one excellent pie. Excellent. Cool. So uh, your weekend no longer involves hedge cutting. What have you got in store? No. I'm going swimming with Kitty and one of her friends tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And um, then we're going down to the grandparents to catch up with them. Very nice. What are you up to? You've got working? Uh, no weddings this weekend. And then from next weekend, I think we have three and a half months solid weddings. Okay. Uh, so I don't know what I'm doing this weekend. I'll be doing some drawing. I've got a couple of commissions on, so but nothing too uh, taxing, which is nice. Okay. Well, John, it was a delight chatting to yep. you. And as ever, have a cracking weekend. You too. And uh, catch yeah. you soon. All right. Cheerio. See you later. Bye. Bye.